The Bible reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. Mine's titled The Resurrection. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes, clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who, had told, who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself, what had happened. Thanks, Stuart. I think that was me, not you. <laughs> thanks, Stuart. And thanks uh, for the team for what, uh, what we've been brought this morning. Um, the worship team, thank you so much for um, choosing songs that have journeyed us through um, this, this uh, Easter Sunday. At Easter, Crossover Australia, who are a Baptist sort of partner, they provide resources for the church to share the good news um, of, of Jesus throughout Australia. Um, the video we saw at the very start of this uh, day was from Crossover Australia, made from Crossover Australia, and elements from the message today have come from some thoughts that Crossover put together. Um, each Easter, Baptist churches across Australia give back to Crossover um, to resource, continue to build resources to minister into the area. So you'll find at the back of the church there's two black boxes. One is for your uh, every sort of day offerings for the church, for the kingdom, um, building up the kingdom here at Kilside South. The other one's got a, a message saying crossover, um, and that will be there if you have uh, an urge to give to them, that will be there to be able to give to them as well. Um, it is a, they are a blessing to the Australian Baptists, so um, please uh, consider whether you'll give to them as well. If you're online or if you want to go online, you can give uh, through our online giving as well. Um, You'll find that through our website. Let me pray and then we'll uh, dig into this message. Our Lord, we thank you so much that today uh, we serve a risen Saviour, that you didn't say stay in the grave, that you rose. And our Lord, we thank you that the message came clear through these women who saw these angels. Uh, we thank you, God, that, that you chose to bring life, Lord. You didn't stay dead. So this morning as we unpack, may we choose life as well. May we choose you who bring the life to us. Amen. There's some pretty dire news around, isn't there? There's some pretty dire news. You look on the news report and majority of the news is pretty dire, isn't it? You sort of hear, oh, you hear famine, you hear 
flies. It's, it's not great news, is there? And, and occasionally you'll get a really good news story that, that is about sort of a two-minute slot near the end of the news. A cat stuck up a tree and someone's gone and picked it out and something like that. It's generally to do with cats. I don't know why it's always to do with cats, but they use cats all the time because they make us happy. That's why there's a lot of cat images on, and videos on YouTube. But anyway, um, <laughs> but it made me think. The, the, the news that we get is often bad. So what constitutes the best news ever? Just speak to the people just around you and tell them what's been the best news ever for you. What's been your best news? Just to the people around you. I wonder if anyone's got something they want to yell out for the best news ever. Anyone got some best news ever? Fill us with joy this morning. <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> best news ever. <laughs> yeah, right. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Has anyone else got any best news ever? Family. 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 Yeah, family. Health. Health. Having a new baby. Hey, that's awesome. That's pretty cool news. I've got three that I thought of. Three was, and the, that was finding out the first time that we were going to have our, our Tarquin. And I remember looking at the, the stick and it had two strikes. Um, don't get it confused with your COVID stick, but it had two strikes. And, and I just remember going, just, just starting to flap, didn't I? I didn't know what I was doing. I just like got so excited. It was the best news ever. The second one, I found out that McDonald's had made their, their thick shakes into coffee thick shakes. Best news ever. Two of the best things in the world combined into one. Best news ever. Uh, <laughs> third, third we all, I think we all felt this last year when lockdown is ending. Best news. We didn't believe it. But lockdown is ending. Best news ever. All right, well, maybe the best news for you was finding the Easter eggs at the end of the bed this morning. Is that the best news ever? Um, maybe it was getting the all clear that the cancer's gone. Best news ever. Perhaps it is that uh, not having a, a second COVID line. Best news ever. Maybe it's getting the news that you, the house that you just bid on came in your favour. Best news ever. Maybe it's a family friend coming home. We just had Solari's sister come back for a couple of weeks and we were able to spend time. Best news ever. But, and we all have prepared for this, best news ever. On Thursday, we prepared for the death of our Lord. On Friday, we agonised over the cross. Sunday's come and we find the best news ever. He has risen. Now, Luke's account tells us that they found this day, the women, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And the women that were there, it was all the women. The women were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the Mary, Mary, the mother of James. Also, the other women were there. And they were telling these things to the disciples. I love that it was revealed to women. 
that it tells me a lot about the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. Those who would not have had a voice in their community, in their culture, were given the greatest news ever to share. And in fact, the men hear it as nonsense. I mean, it's a pretty big stretch anyway. So it's a big stretch. But coming from women, it would have been even harder to hear. But there was one. And we remember him. We spoke about him last week. Peter. The sort of, he cut the ear off the soldier, if you remember. He denied Christ three times. Peter heard this, and at the slightest, or the, the faintest hope that perhaps what these women were saying may have been real or true, he takes off. He just takes off. And it's an incredible story, isn't it? Because you see that the, that the women got, get to the tomb, they found Jesus gone. We're not told a whole lot more about the state of the tomb. We know that the stone's been rolled away and we know that Jesus wasn't there. Luke tells us that the women were perplexed. You can understand it, can't you? Who stole the body? Why is it gone? Who would take him? Why do such a thing? Have the disciples done something in the middle of the night? But they're standing there in the tomb and all of a sudden there are these two uh, men gleaming in cloths. I, I agree with you, Stuart. I wasn't sure whether it's cloths or clothes. I totally, I'm like, I'm not sure. <laughs> one minute they're not there, one minute they are. And they're beaming white, like, just like as if they're in the doorway. And what do you do? The women are terrified. How are they going to respond? So they respond by bowing down in a symbol of reverence. And Luke tells us that they were scared. I don't blame them for being scared. And the men speak to the women. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Imagine hearing those words. These shining men, perhaps they've figured out they're angels by now, have just told them the most incredible, almost unbelievable news. But they don't stop there. Because the most important word in this whole passage comes next. Remember. He says, remember how he told you. He's already told you this was going to happen. Remember, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. He told you this. Remember. And verse 8 says, Remembered. It was remembering of the word that helped these women believe the greatest news ever, that Jesus indeed was alive. You know, most people believe that life takes this shape, sort of this unhappy face shape. <laughs> we come from nowhere and we sort of grow and we hit a, a pinnacle of life and we enjoy it. And then we hit our prime, whatever age you might feel that is, and then it's downhill from there until eventually you end up back where you started. <laughs> this view underlies the way the world sees life, sees ourselves. It underlies the choices that are made in life. We better make the most of things while we have the opportunities. It becomes part of our mentality. It becomes part of the mentality that you are the most important person in this world, so you need to make it the highest that you can make it. Terms like YOLO. I never used to understand what YOLO meant. You only live once. <laughs> uh, 
and FOMO, fear of missing out, they become part of this sort of a life. Because if I get up there and I haven't done something, I better try and keep going. And they start to live in a way that's going to help me bend my curve or make my curve as high as it can be. But in reality, what it promotes is a culture of consumerism, of take for yourself, of me first. Eat for tomorrow we die, that whole thing. This whole, the whole system is driven by the end point, which is death. Taylor Hawkins, who died recently from multiple overdoses of drugs, was a prime example. He had everything. He had everything. He was a drummer of one of the biggest bands in the world, one of my favourite bands, the Foo Fighters. He was that drummer. He had everything he could ever need, in my eyes anyway. Yet he filled his body with so many drugs that his heart expanded to twice the normal size and he died. He tried to get his curve to go as high as it possibly could go in the hope that it would never come down. And the reality is, it came down with a thud. It's dominated by the baseline of the graph that is zero, total zero. And zero in this chart ultimately wins. Nothingness is ultimately the lasting truth. Life is a temporary exception on the, the spectrum. We live for a moment, but it runs out, and then we're back to nothing. One day the sun will run out of gas, the lights will go out, everything will die. And people believe that death wins, that death rules. And so this shape dominates life. So it's all about getting to the top. It ultimately claims that everything else is meaningless. So we wonder why that this life has so much illness and violence and hopelessness. But what the women found at the tomb showed a very different path, a Jesus path. It was a path that Jesus taught and lived, and it looks like this. It just coincides with being a happy face. <laughs> he didn't pop out of nowhere, but, God, uh, but came from God. And he taught us, too, that, that we also came from God, but we were created. He didn't scramble upwards to try and find as many experiences to maximize his life. The poem in Philippians 2 describes his trajectory. I love this. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of that of Jesus Christ, who being very nature, with, uh, very nature God, did not consider equality to be with God to be something to use for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found as in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you see how Jesus' life was totally opposite? What a contrast. He, he pointed himself downward. The Son of Man didn't come to serve, but to be, uh, to be served, but to serve. He gave his life as a ransom for many, and God raised him upwards. It wasn't just the way he lived, it's how he taught. So many times he said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. 
Yet those who humble themselves will be exalted. Can you see the greatest news ever? The foundation of it all is that there is a power more powerful than death. Darkness doesn't have to be the final resting point. We have a risen saviour, a loving and creating, creative and living God who doesn't run out of gas but lives and offers eternal life, a life for both you and I through Jesus Christ. We can compare the contrast, the kind of society that is formed by these two worlds, the, the earthly world, I suppose, and the godly world. The first one creates a culture where we see each other as competitors. I've got to get the best out of this, and I will do whatever I can to make that happen, even if it means just stepping on a few people on the way. I'm going to maximise my time in the limelight if that means someone else gets hurt while that's their problem. But Jesus' way creates a community of people determined to, to not be the best, but to serve, to put one another first, to sacrifice. The co- that cooperation and harmony brings a flourishment into this broken world. And with it, we have an expectation, we have an anticipation that there is something more to come, something that is lasting, something that points back heavenward. That's why Paul, in the, his chapter on resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, and, and we hear it in the, at the song that we sung this morning, Where, O death, is your, is, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Death doesn't win. Because suffering and death aren't ultimate. Like Jesus, we may find suffering in this life. Jesus suffered, especially over this weekend. And suffering is hard. A mother losing the baby. A son who's continually bullied at school. A grandfather who can't drive anymore and can't see his grandkids. Life can get really tough. But that's not our final destination This Easter weekend reminds us that although things sometimes don't look awesome, God's got the end in mind. God has the final say. God is in control. It is mind-blowingly great news, isn't it? It's great news. But it asks us two questions to think about. Is this true? Is this true? Because it's only good news if it's not just pie in the sky or wishful thinking. But it's historical news. If death can be shown to really have been overcome, it's historically amazing news. That's why Paul puts it into his message of 1 Corinthians 15. He says of first importance that there are over 500 witnesses that bear, to the, bear witness to the, to the risen Jesus. The women were the first... But after this, Jesus reveals himself to the disciples and then to many other groups. Many went on to give their own lives because they saw Jesus again. Rather than deny what they had actually seen, they went on to say, I would rather die for this because I now have that new hope and I have remembered. The second, the second question is this. How do I get off the unhappy curve, and move into 
the happy curve. Jesus invites each and every one of us onto that curve. He gave his life for it. It's yours if you want it. It's a step of faith. It doesn't involve you doing X, Y or Z in order to find some sort of favour with God. God's already done it through Jesus Christ. This is the greatest news ever. We can't do anything on our own to get uh, into this life with God because God has done it through Jesus. We just have to believe. You know, to attach your life to him, one thing that we do do at this church or at many churches is we have an act that we call baptism. And baptism, it acts out that exact curve. Just as Jesus went down into the grave, he came up again into glorious life. A believer goes down into the waters of baptism and then up into a full new life of love, joy and expectation. Perhaps, maybe, you're thinking, how do I, how do I show this reality in my life? Perhaps it might be through baptism. We're looking at having a baptism service in May and you might have this morning said, I want to be a part of God's life curve. You know, I want to show that. You might want to be baptised. Come and see one of the pastors afterwards and we'll love to chat to you about that. A life that is categorised by humbling self, living a Christ life, serving others, serving Jesus and then being exalted into the kingdom of God. The women at the tomb, they were asked to remember. And you know, this is a challenge for us. Remember where Jesus came from. Remember how Jesus lived. And remember where Jesus was exalted to. Jesus brings us to the life curve. May we live our lives based on it and not be drawn back into the world that is dictating another way. Let's remember Jesus, our risen Savior. Let me pray. Our Lord and God, we give you thanks that you have shown the way for us to live, that you show, have shown it through your life, through your teachings, but also through your death that you were humbled on this earth and exalted to be with your Lord. God, may we live out a life that is honouring to you, knowing that we were created, we were saved to serve, and that we also will be exalted with you in paradise. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.